0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Be sure to like and subscribe, share with a friend, all that stuff. Um, So I've been like just thinking a lot lately about how like I, you know, with having just like an insane amount of anxiety, which I know I talk about this a lot, but oh, well, Um. <laughs> I have been like really regretting the fact that I didn't try more drugs. <laughs> like whenever I, you know, cause there was a time in my life where like, I would have tried anything and I don't know what made me think of this. I guess I've just been listening. I've been listening to a lot of the grateful dead lately, which never in a million years would I've thought I would have gotten into this band I've tried, like, I almost look at it as, like, Game of Thrones, because, like, I, the more people told me I should watch Game of Thrones, the more I despised everything about the fucking show, until I watched it, and, I mean, I will say it took me a couple of times to just be like, I, I can't fucking do this, and then... It was, like, maybe the third or fourth time that I tried watching it where I, like, got super into it. The Grateful Dead has been the very same for me. Like, I, you know, obviously knew of their music and knew some songs. But, you know, the whole idea of being, like, a deadhead and just following this fucking band around... It never made sense to me whenever I actually listened to the music. I was like, how in the fuck would people just follow this and listen to this shit for hours? And out of nowhere, I guess just from like Sirius XM and having like that Grateful Dead channel, I've gotten super into it. We'll say I've eaten in my lifetime probably a combined total of six gallons of Cherry Garcia ice cream. <laughs> So maybe that makes me an honorary deadhead, I don't know, but um yeah, I mean I've just been listening to like all of their live albums, which you can find them all on, you know, Spotify, Apple, whatever. And they are fucking incredible. So I don't know, you know, and I haven't had this happen to me in a long time where I've hated something for a really long time and then it just clicked where now I like it. It happened a lot as a kid because I would hate a lot of the music my parents listened to. And then just out of nowhere be like, damn, I kind of do like Leonard Skinner. (laughs) That's the that's the main one I can think of. Journey also um, where I just hate and Foreigner. Foreigner is another one where I just fucking hated these bands as a kid because, you know, it would just get driven into my goddamn brain. Like every time my parents would like, you know be with like other family members getting fucking getting loose. Uh would always end up hearing jukebox hero. (laughs) And uh boy did it get on my nerves. And yeah, now like all that shit I am super into. Um but yeah The Grateful Dead is for sure the most recent version of that for me. Like I have just gotten so into it. And like I don't do- i the more I've listened to it, the more I've realized that doing drugs is a big <laughs> big part of being a uh grateful dead fan, the same way that clear alcohols mixed into just sugar filled cocktails is uh the only way you can really enjoy Jimmy Buffett's music. <laughs> <laughs> which i i mean i have not gotten into that point my god which i don't even drink anymore so i think the window of opportunity for being a jimmy buffett fan or was it called a uh, god what does he call his fans oh shit there's a name for it parrot parrot heads <laughs> what, how fucking stupid is that uh but yeah i mean the window of opportunity for me becoming a parrot head i think is um long gone uh, but you know, I guess there is hope because I don't do drugs. I don't smoke weed, don't do acid, but have become a Grateful Dead fan. Now, I mean, would I go follow them around? Fuck no. Cause I mean, I'm going to sound like a 1950s dad right now, but I fucking hate hippies. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone has said that out loud and probably, Uh, 50 years (laughs) but you know in high school like being obsessed with old jimbo over here and like all the like 60s counterculture stuff i was just so fascinated with like the hippie movement woodstock monterey pop um obviously like the doors big brother and the holding company hendrix like all this music that's kind of synonymous with um you know that era, the Mamas and the Papas, Jefferson Airplane, and um, I always thought it would be so fucking cool to have been in like San Francisco in 1967, Summer of Love, Hate Ashbury, and the more I've the more I've gotten older, the more I've just realized how smelly it must have all been. Which I have a thing about smells. I think most fat people do if they have any kind of fucking self respect. Uh, or even any respect for other people. Um, Like, if you're fat, you know that the chances of you... Like, if you're a fat person, as I am, the chances of you smelling like shit are astronomically higher than a skinny person. Ergo, you have to be real vigilant (laughs) about keeping your shit maintained. And, I mean, so I'm constantly deodorant lotion that smells good um little spritzes of cologne but nothing fucking crazy i mean goddamn i'm not fucking persian but uh (laughs) like i definitely put a lot and i shower fucking all the time uh you know and then when the summer months kick in jesus christ like i am I mean, I'll leave places to go back home and take a shower. Like, if I think shit's starting to ripen up a little bit. Uh, which, honestly, doesn't take much. Like, and, and I sweat a lot, just naturally. So, all of these things combined creates just a stinky fucking person. And, so I think if you are a fat ass, you definitely have to put... A lot of time and care into smelling good. And just me being sensitive to smells. I'm kind of glad that I am. Because like I don't end up having to be just a straight nuisance to everyone else. (laughs) Because like I'm going to know if I smell bad way before you're going to know it. So you're welcome. (laughs) But that being said... Being surrounded by, like, I used to think if I could go back in time in a time machine and see one event, in my head it was always Woodstock. Like, I want to go to Woodstock, see, you know, all these bands, see, like, all the people. The more I think about it now, the more I realize that it would have been the most miserable fucking time of my life. Just, I mean, one, it was muddy as shit. So everybody's getting rained on, so there's already the and you know it's like four days, so there's all or three days I guess there's already this like fucking mildew, nasty just that smell of like rain in a field, and then on top of that, just a shitload of mud, as far as I know, the public bathroom uh situation <laughs> was not great, so there's a good chance a good percentage of that mud was um human caca and mix that in with just the hippie smell of just sweat and fucking hair that's like curdled Mm -hmm. god i there is no ounce of me that wants to have been around any of that so back to original point traveling around and seeing the grateful dead to me Is just the modern version. It's the continuation of that disgusting caveman shit. Which... God, I mean... Like, I... You know... Not a big fan of homeless people. (laughs) I mean... You know, maybe that's... uh, You know... Sorry, not sorry. Um, Maybe I should be more philanthropic. But, um... I mean, fuck, if I'm broke, how the fuck am I going to be philanthropic? Anyways... And the main reason why I don't like homeless people isn't just the, like, the way I kind of look at homeless people is the way that somebody might, like, somebody who's a, whenever you talk to somebody who's afraid of birds, it's the reason, same, like, logic of why they're afraid of birds. One is that they shit everywhere, and they're super unpredictable. May or may not uh, peck your eyes out. (laughs) All of these three things can perfectly be lined up with the, uh, mentality of a hobo, and it scares the shit of me, but the number one reason why I don't like, um, you know, the transience, or transient, is, um, just the smell, like, every time that a homeless person, that I've gotten close enough to, like, which I have given homeless people money before, I mean, I'm not, like, fucking Scrooge, now I've become much more Scrooge-like, um, But there were times where, like, you know, you kind of get cornered by a couple of them. And you're like, oh, Jesus, how do I get out of this situation? So you just throw some chains on the ground. And when they get down to reach, you know, you haul ass. But the fucking smell that comes off of your standard hobo is, whoa. And, you know, so that, you know, am I I a shit person? Probably. I have contended with that my entire life. And there are things that I would like to change about said shit personality. And there are things that I just accept are going to be part of my life forever. My just overall disdain and disgust for street hobos um, will, I think, always be there. And the more common it's gotten, the more I'm going to fucking hate it. Now, I do. I wish. Obviously, there's a much bigger story with that. And, you know. We probably shouldn't have the homeless problem that we have. Um, most of these people should be in some sort of psychiatric care. They shouldn't be on the streets. Um, but until that happens, I am fucking keeping windows rolled up and looking straight ahead. <laughs> like I am. I, they're fucking zo- I'm looking at it like they're zombies. And that's what I got to do. I don't think I'm alone on this, too. I think most people probably do think the way I'm thinking. They just don't want to say it because they don't want to sound like an asshole. I am pretty damn used to sounding like an asshole. So, I mean, what can I do? Um, But, yeah. so And, really, the Grateful Dead fans are basically just homeless people who have figured out a way to, like, make it into a Grateful Dead concert. That being said, becoming a big fan of The Grateful Dead. <laughs> um, yeah. But also to kind of go back to what I was talking about even before that, I wish that like my anxiety wasn't at a level where it has been for a long-ass time. Because I would like to try getting high as shit and listening to The Grateful Dead. Like, the more I've listened to him, the more I'm like, God, I would like to be high right now. <laughs> and my just, I have such a weak fucking, um, what do you call it, like, I mean, I, a weak brain in general. But, like, my ability to maintain, <laughs> as the stoners like to say, uh, God, I sound like a real fucking square I think the more I'm talking right now, the more I'm sounding like I am a fucking preppy kid from the 50s. Jesus. A social, if you will. Um, Oh, well. But I, you know, I have a very limited ability to maintain uh, if I get high. And therefore, don't do it. I, I in the past, I would say in the past... Mm, Maybe five years, fuck, maybe even longer. Yeah, I'd say. But let's say past five years, I've been high twice, uh, and one was a very small version of it, where I took like a couple hits, and uh, man, it just takes every fucking ounce of me not to just drive myself to the emergency room <laughs> every time I, time I get high. So, and that's just from smoking weed. I can't imagine just the shit show that would happen if I tried dropping acid. (laughs) I mean, my God, it would be like any of those stories you hear of like the bad shit that happens to people who are on acid that people will say to try to keep their kids from doing acid. Like, oh, this person thought a light bulb was candy, ate it and died. (laughs) And people are like, oh, it's probably bullshit. It wouldn't be bullshit if I did acid. All of those things. Jumping off of a roof. Jumping out of a window. Um, thinking that there's bugs inside my skin. And skinning myself to death. I would probably do a little bit of every one of those things. If I were to drop acid. But. There is still just a huge part of me. That wants to do it so bad. That wants to like do m- mushrooms. do which, And I know from you know oh, fuck <laughs> i know that um you know from a decently clinical perspective there there could be i could benefit quite a bit from doing mushrooms like the psilocybin treatments and all of these things that have you know pretty well have been well proven to help in some way with anxiety but I mean, I don't know that it would help like how the fuck if like if the biggest anxiety causing thought to me is tripping balls, then how the fuck do I get over that in order to take the thing that may make me trip balls, but also help me get rid of the anxiety that is caused by the idea of tripping balls. It is a cycle that would leave me fucking drooling. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm I'm going fucking cross-eyed just thinking about the cycle of tripping balls anxiety get rid of anxiety trip balls have anxiety trip ball like it is I think this is a pretty good indicator of how my brain works so you're welcome <laughs> But uh yeah I just don't I don't know I don't think I could ever do it um and I So, part of it is, like, I regret not doing a lot of these things. Fuck, what the fuck am I yawning? Um, (laughs) I regret, like, not trying acid, not trying shrooms. Well, I did try shrooms. Twice. Nothing happened. Uh, Not really. I mean, I took such a very small amount that... (laughs) all that happened was like, um, tingly, basically feeling like, um, like my foot was numb, like my foot was asleep, but my body felt like that. Um, I didn't see anything, which I mean, I don't know how much you're supposed to take for that to happen. I definitely didn't take that amount clearly. Um, so like, I almost don't even, most of the time I don't even remember that I've done (laughs) mushrooms. Like when someone asks, um, but I've never done acid, never done, um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. DM, I mean, DMT, God, is out of the question. <laughs> you, fuck no. Like, I want to try to fucking live in this world. I, I damn sure don't want to get launched off into another fucking dimension for 15 minutes. Like, I'm having a hard time just being, you know, here. <laughs> oh, my God. And... My worry is that it's going to stick that like, I'm going to go. God damn it. Um, my worry is that I'm going to go into that world and not come back out <laughs> or like, or just start having like, like I already feel like my uh, grasp of reality it's got a little slickness to it. (laughs) Like there's, it's not all, it's not completely slippery, but it pretty damn close. So I, I'm already having to kind of, you know, keep my wits about me just to maintain here. Uh, But God, I wish I would have done. And maybe I will one day, who knows? Maybe one day I'll just get so fucking fed up with that, you know, being a little anxious bitch That I'll say, you know what? Give me a fucking handful of shrooms, and lock me in a closet. (laughs) Or, I mean, and you know, put on Grateful Dead live at Cornell University, nineteen seventy-seven, and I will just see where the fuck I end up. Um, That is definitely, I I, probably more of a possibility than I think. Um, But like, also. Drugs are kind of just a young person's thing. Like, I, you know, like, I would also tend to live vicariously. So I would do this really in lots of ways. Um, But, like, with things that were bad, so, like, drugs or committing crimes, whatever, I would just read about people doing it, and that um, intrigue would be, wiped out because like I could live vicariously through like I would read um you know Hunter S. Thompson a lot and became fucking obsessed with Hunter Thompson and like his whole gonzo world uh like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail all those things um and so it kind of like satiated the need to do a fuckload of drugs Um, obviously it didn't help with alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol was taking, was hitting me full force, but you know, all the heavier shit, like, like I was not about to huff a bunch of ether. (laughs) Like I'll just read about Hunter Thompson doing it. I get to hear what it's like. And there it is. I've experienced enough of it that I need to. Which is good for bad things because then you don't have to do it. You don't commit a crime. You get to, you know, see, hear what it's like from someone else. And, you know, there you go. Intrigue is over. But I also do that with shit that's, like, good. Like, instead of wanting to go to Paris, I'll just watch a documentary about Paris and be like, well, well that's good enough. But that isn't. That's a bullshit, like, real little bitch mentality to have. Um,. But I, you know, would read all this, like, Hunter Thompson shit and just desperately want to try, like, try a fuckload of drugs, like, do coke. Like, I always thought, like, doing, like, as a, you know, younger male, uh, thought doing coke sounded fucking awesome. And it looked cool in the movies, like, like, I would watch Boogie Nights all the time and, like. I would want to be like roller girl. Like, like, can I call you mom? (laughs) Like I, you know, it was kind of just like shit that I was, I was fascinated by, but would never do it. And a hundred percent would never do it now. But then also again, to the point of like it being for younger people, like, you know, I was heavily obsessed with Hunter S. Thompson. But and thought like, man, that guy lived like the best fucking life. Like he did whatever the fuck he wanted, went out the way he wanted to go out. And now that I'm like, maybe just I don't know if I'm wiser. I mean, I'm still young as fuck. So I'm probably really stupid in a lot of ways. Um, But definitely the more removed I am from that, uh, the more I realize like he was probably fucking insufferable to be around. Like as cool as Hunter Thompson As cool as Hunter S. Thompson seems like he was, God, he was probably, I would have hated being around him. Like, I would have hated being like, oh, we're going to go to the fucking, you know, we're going to go watch a football game. And then meanwhile, this fucker has just laced my Heineken with fucking mescaline. (laughs) He's like, oh, we're about to see some shit now, man. Like, fuck that. <laughs> but that's like, I imagine that's the world you're living in if you're hanging out with Hunter Thompson. Is that you could be eating breakfast with him and he's like, hey, uh, how does your eggs taste? And you're like, um, good. He's like, are you feeling anything? You're like, no. You're about to. <laughs> and then meanwhile, this fucker is just sprinkled peyote all over your goddamn scrambled eggs. That's what I imagine hanging out with Hunter Thompson is like and now thinking about it I am so glad I am not of that world. And maybe I'm just sounding like a boring dude, which in a lot of ways I am, but I would much rather be boring than just be I mean to be on to be going at a hundred all the time like that Fuck no. I mean, obviously, he couldn't handle it, because he put, you know, he put a handful of lead right through his fucking dome. So, you know, there's that. But, um, alright, so, to move on from this, maybe one day I'll do acid, uh, maybe I'll even do it on a podcast. Try to get, you know, more than fucking 20 views on, <laughs> on an episode. Um, but, uh, time to start talking about the fun shit. Um, got... Three fucking fascinating stories to go through um, that involve, let say, American icons, you know, just famous people of uh, well, somewhat recent U.S. history and somewhat older U.S. history. doesn't matter. Either way, it involves um, the children of legends. That's probably the best way to put it. So, um, without further ado... Let's go through some stories of uh, the old Did You Know segment. So first story is the curse of Robert Todd Lincoln. Um, if you don't know who Robert Todd Lincoln is, he was uh, the son of President Abraham Lincoln. Um, I mean, obviously don't have to go into too much detail about Abraham Lincoln. But we all know the story on April Fifteenth, nineteen or eighteen sixty-five. Abraham Lincoln is in Ford's Theater watching a play. A man by the name of John Wilkes Booth makes his way up to the booth where, uh, in like the balcony where Abe is sitting, with I believe Ulysses S. Grant. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I can't remember who he's all with, but he's with some people. Fuck it. John Wilkes Booth, massive fan of the South, <laughs> big fan of the Confederacy. So, ergo, not a fan of Abraham Lincoln. Shoots Abraham Lincoln point-blank in the back of the head, jumps off the uh, balcony, lands on the stage, breaks his leg, shouts, uh, six Emperor Tyrannus, which I think means, like, to death death of all tyrants or something like that, Um, runs out the theater, you know, gets captured later on. um, But it's all part of this conspiracy to kill Abraham Lincoln because even though Abraham Lincoln arguably one of the greatest presidents of all time. The bottom half of the country fucking hated his guts. So, you know, he went out the way, uh, the way that, you know, the Julius Caesar way, the Kennedy way that people who make a big impact usually rub a lot of people the wrong way. So Abraham Lincoln, uh, shot, his son Robert Todd Lincoln, uh, not even a month later. This to me is one of the craziest coincidences in history. So, also to give just like a little bit of backup, um, John Wilkes Booth was a somewhat well-known actor of the time, and was the brother of a of arguably like one of the most famous actors of his time his brother's name was Edwin Booth who so it's basically like if like if Billy Baldwin had shot Bill Clinton in the 90s <laughs> i mean that's basically John Wilkes Booth's level compared to like his brother Edwin who would be like obviously the Alec Baldwin even though way more likely for Alec Baldwin to shoot <laughs> to shoot someone um, but Uh, So, John Wilkes Booth escapes. All that shit happens. Less than a month later, Robert Todd Lincoln, the, I believe, youngest son of Abraham Lincoln, um, is getting onto a train, standing at, like, you know, the train station, about to get onto, like, the train cart, slips and falls, or starts to fall, which he would have fucking died. A person grabs his arm, pulls him back, saves him. The person who pulled his arm back to save him was... Edwin Booth, brother of John Wilkes Booth, who less than a month before that fucking killed his dad, <laughs> which is mind blowing. That is. I mean, I think one of the craziest coincidences ever in history, but it is not even close to the end of the Robert H. Lincoln curse. So Robert H. Lincoln, dad, president dies Later, he becomes the Secretary of War or Secretary of Defense. Let me see. I think I had this written down. Secretary of War for James Garfield, which in a previous episode, I remember James Garfield as the person who was assassinated by former member of creepy sex cult, Charles Guiteau. Charles Guiteau um, shot and killed President James Garfield. What I didn't say is that standing right next to James Garfield was Secretary of War, Robert Todd Lincoln. So Robert Todd Lincoln, dad is shot, president. Become Secretary of War, witnesses right next to him, another president get assassinated. Which you would think at this point, you'd say, fuck politics, I'm never going to meet or hang out with another president. Ever in my life. And you would be wrong. Later. Robert Todd Lincoln is kind of removed from politics. He's like. I, I'm i not getting into this shit anymore. Uh, but he becomes. I think like. Kind of high up in. Um, like this rail railroad company. Um, and. They are doing. The Pan American exposition. In Buffalo New York. And so he says, Ah, eh, fuck it. Like we'll go to that and check it out. So he goes to Buffalo. And when he is in Buffalo, President William McKinley is in Buffalo. President William McKinley gets assassinated by this fucking anarchist radical, which I always fucking can't seem to pronounce his name correctly, so I'm not even gonna try. But I believe he was Polish. Um, So, yeah, so Robert Todd Lincoln, dad, Abraham Lincoln, assassinated, becomes Secretary of uh, War, standing next to uh, James Garfield, he gets assassinated. A couple years later, goes to Buffalo, New York to see the Pan-American Exposition, William McKinley's there, he gets assassinated. So, yeah, Robert Todd Lincoln is, I mean, my God, what a fucking bad omen that dude was. I mean, poor fucking bastard. So that's the curse of Robert Todd Lincoln. So the next uh, that we'll go through is... um, the So everyone, I should think, knows the Rockefeller family. Rockefeller family, arguably the most powerful family in American history. Uh, I don't even think it really anybody even comes close the Rockefeller family the patriarch of family was a guy named John D Rockefeller John D Rockefeller guy grew up decently poor um but highly motivated and happened to kind of be at the right place at the right time during the oil boom of the early late 1800s early 1900s um and just started buy. I mean, had like a little oil... You know, Derek set up. I believe in Texas. And just started buying out all these... oil. I mean, just started using his money to buy more and more and more and more and more. And with the advent and popularization of the automobile... Became... Um, you know... Like, oil became a fucking necessity. Whereas, before then... Not really that much uh, oil needed. But with like... You know, Henry Ford creating the Model T and obviously lots of other examples of automobiles. But those specifically being just mass produced and like more economical, John D. Rockefeller becomes a guy that profits greatly. So much so that by 1913, John D. Rockefeller, who owns this company called Standard Oil, becomes the richest human being on the planet. So much money that his his personal wealth made up 3% of the U.S.'s GDP. So 3% of all the money in the fucking country was John D. Rockefeller's money. That is insane. That's one person who has 3% of an entire country. And not just like, yeah, I mean, it's not fucking, you know. Luxembourg. I mean, it's the goddamn, it's goddamn America. And so that money, that amount of money that he had would be the equivalent to half a trillion dollars in today's money. John D. Rockefeller is arguably the richest person ever to live, at least in modern society. Um, There's arguments that Julius Caesar's wealth was over a trillion dollars, but a lot of that is kind of hard to fucking really like document because they're usually using like the wealth of places that he conquered which i mean i don't know how that really makes it his wealth as much as it's like just roman wealth john d rockefeller's money is his fucking money like that's his shit his company standard oil and it ends up becoming under teddy roosevelt one of the um well roosevelt and then taft and Ends up becoming busted as a monopoly when all these, like, you know, the trust busting was happening. It was like the Antitrust Act or whatever. Um, Teddy, so John D. Rockefeller, even with the shit getting split up, is still massively wealthy. So he ends up having a son. So John D. Rockefeller is not the person that this. That has, like, necessarily the crazy fucking interesting story. It's a little bit further down the line. So John D. Rockefeller, but just trying to set a backstory here. John D. Rockefeller has a son named uh, J.D. Jr., John D. Rockefeller Jr. Not that much interesting about him. He was a, some would say, a philanthropist. But really, he was just going around the world and just stealing people's shit. Um, But giving the people there some stuff, too, so he didn't seem like just a monster. John D. Rockefeller Jr. has a son named Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller, so be, is the grandson of John D. Rockefeller. Nelson Rockefeller gets like heavily involved in politics, and becomes the um, like starts working under Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, he ends up getting fired by Truman. Um, he's working like alongside the CIA, like all this stuff is you know pretty heavily involved in politics, especially during, like, the 40s, 50s. Then becomes the governor of New York. As governor of New York, fucking pretty well-liked human being. And even by today's standards, like, seemed like a pretty fucking good politician. He was a Republican, which, I mean, most people think means that they're a fucking, just an outright piece of shit. But, you know, 1950s, 60s Republican is a hell of a lot different than today's. Um, he was as governor of New York, like tried really hard to, um, repeal the ban on abortion. Um, like, I mean, dude was very fucking progressive, even by like today's standards, pretty fucking progressive dude. He wanted abortion to be readily available for women, especially if there was like, you know, uh, instances of like rape and incest, or especially if there was going to be issues with the fetus and or mother. Um, that's a pretty fucking big uh, jump forward, you know, for that time. Uh, he also um, made like made the prohibition against racial discrimination for housing, which ain't nobody fucking fighting for that <laughs> in the 1960s, especially like early 60s, but Nelson Rockefeller did. So, dude, actually pretty decent guy. Um, he ends up becoming... Uh, vice president under Gerald Ford. But basically through... I, I mean, the, the Gerald Ford story is a whole other thing, but Gerald Ford was never elected vice president or president. Um, he's the only person to have ever been president who wasn't elected to president or vice president. He got that shit just by luck, being at the right place at the right time. I mean he became the vice president because spiro agnew resigned so Gerald ford just uh automatically became which i mean i know you're not elected to vice president but he was never he wasn't like the original vice president um i mean i guess in a way you do elect a vice president because they are on the ticket but um so then he becomes vice president then nixon resigns and just gets shoe like worn in as the fucking president Gerald Ford arguably suffered from an insane amount of CTE. um, Was a bit of a jackass. But, Nelson Rockefeller, Vice President, seemed like a pretty good dude. Nelson Rockefeller ends up leaving politics. He's like, I'm done with this shit. As good of a dude as Nelson Rockefeller seemed like he was, he had a a love of the ladies. (laughs) Uh, So much so that it led to the old fucker's demise. And... About two years after he left the vice presidency, he was in, like, his, you know, secondary home with one of his aides. I believe it was a secretary named Megan Marshak. Let me see. I think I wrote this down, too. Hold on. God damn it. Megan Marshak. So he is at this home alone with said aide, uh, Miss Marshak. He is there alone with her because he's banging the shit out of her. Cheating on his wife with this much younger person. He's like 70. When he, uh, you know, arrives, (laughs) ejaculates, he has a massive fucking coronary. Big old uh, heart attack, infarction, dies, croaks right on her. (laughs) I mean, I might be adding some to that. But, yes, he has a heart attack while having sex with his mistress. And dies. And it's pretty much covered up by the Rockefellers. Who again. Richest family in the country. So. Uh, newspapers basically print whatever the fuck they want them to. And their whole thing was basically. Yeah. That he just had had a heart attack. They did not mention him banging his uh, secretary. But. So all this shit is leading up to. The fucking wild story. Of a man named Michael Rockefeller. Michael Rockefeller is the son of Nelson. So you have Nelson, who, vice president, governor of New York, dies fucking as secretary. His son, Michael, who is the great-grandson of John D. So you got big old John D. at the top. That's the first guy in the Rockefeller uh, patriarch. Or, you know, patrilineal just line of fucking rich motherfuckers. John D. Rockefeller, number one. Down to grandson Nelson, great-grandson Michael. Michael Rockefeller was like a college athlete, wrestling team, went to Harvard, a uh, bit of an anthropologist, loved studying cultures. He started making these trips to, at the time, I believe was uh, was Dutch, Papua New Guinea, or, you know, the Netherlands, New Guinea. Um but we know it now, I think, as Papua New Guinea. And started doing these, you know, basically like voyage, um, you know, meetings with uh, the, let's see, Azmat tribe. So he goes to Papua New Guinea to meet with the Azmat tribe. Who he's basically studying, trying to learn their culture. Um, and they seem to really enjoy him being there. Like they, it's not like a weird fucking, it's not a... Um, like a colonization type thing. It's an anthropological, you know, research type thing where he just wants to see what this culture is like and try not to fuck with them. And they seem to enjoy the guy. Don't really mind him being there. He comes like every once in a while. Well, in 1961, he comes back to Papua New Guinea. He is in his canoe with two guides and his friend. The canoe, they are about 40 or about 20 miles i believe off the shores of papua new guinea and the canoe capsizes in pretty rough water the two guides say well fuck these honkies we were swimming to shore and they swim to shore michael and his friend are under the impression that they're going to go get help they don't (laughs) they're like uh, peace bitch good luck and Michael and his friend are basically out to sea for a good minute. And at this time, they've kind of floated a little closer to shore. They're about 14 miles from, the sh- from shore. And Michael says, look, I mean, I'm decent, in decent shape. They're not coming back for us. <laughs> it ain't happening. Um, I'll swim to shore and get someone to help us. So Michael swims to shore. What happened to Michael Rockefeller is not a hundred percent known, but he didn't make it. (laughs) Now, there's one argument that he died from exhaustion on the swim. There is another theory that he was eaten by either a saltwater crocodile or a shark. The crazier theory, but is also the theory that has decent circumstantial evidence so obviously it's not 100 percent proven but fuck it it's an awesome story and it actually may be the truth michael rockefeller made it to shore and was met by not the azmat tribe but a completely different tribe because where the boat most likely had um you know capsized and just where he probably got led to completely different shore in Papua New Guinea. He did not make it to where the Azmat tribe was, who would have a hundred percent helped him out and taken care of him. He instead was met by this other tribe, a way more brutal, vicious tribe who hated white people because they had just recently like three years before that gotten into like a bit of a skirmish with the Dutch Um not big fans of white people, and also known cannibals, known headhunters. Well, the story that, I mean, actually most people think is probably the truth, is that Michael made it to shore, was met by this tribe, immediately killed and eaten by said tribe. And the reason why there is some kind of weight to that claim is that there have been quite a few people who have gone back to the island, especially, like, recent after... I mean, you yeah, remember, this dude is the heir to a fucking fortune. I mean, he's the son of a vice president. So, like, our, at the time, not vice president. I believe just Governor New... I think Nelson Rockefeller at the time was just Governor of New York. Nelson Rockefeller ran for president in 1960, and 68. Became vice president during Ford, so, like, 72, I guess. Um... But, yeah, I believe this is when Nelson Rockefeller is vice president. So, the son of the vice president of New York State is fucking missing. And nobody knows what happened to him. So, people do start going to the island, to Papua New Guinea, and, like, investigating. Like, what the fuck happened to him? Like, where is he? And there's a few people who make it to the island who, when they're interviewing the Azmat tribe, don't know what the fuck happened to him. But then, because they weren't there at the time whenever he you know his last voyage but there's some people who say well let's go interview some of the other tribes around here and when they do they meet the tribe who supposedly found him and when they do some of them are wearing his clothes that's according to the the guy who or well not just one person but multiple people who went is that they were wearing western clothes that looked an awful lot like the clothes that Michael Rockefeller was wearing. There was also a skull that had been, <laughs> been used in a ceremony that was decently fresh and was most likely Michael Rockefeller's skull. So it's now whether he died and just washed up to shore and they you know kept his skull for some reason, that could be a thing. But so that was like some a lot of people's argument was that yeah but that doesn't mean they ate him. But according to a few different people who met that tribe, they said they ate him. <laughs> they said we killed that motherfucker and he is gone. Um, still, though, no one knows what the fuck really happened to him. There have even been some pictures that have resurfaced uh, or that have surfaced, you know, in recent years, where you see that tribe, and there's a fucking white person with him who looks an awful lot like Michael Rockefeller. Like when you look at pictures of Michael Rockefeller. Picture him with a beard and it looks like this motherfucker. I'll put a picture up of it. But so there are some people who think that he stayed with that tribe or that he, you know, was with that tribe for a while and then ended up making his way to where the Azmat tribe was because he, you know, had become friendly with the people in that tribe and just lived out the rest of his life with the Azmat tribe. Um, Papua New Guinea is not a highly, you know, visited place. So it is, you know. It's not a crazy notion to think that a person could live with this tribe and people wouldn't have known about it. It's just crazy to think that it was the son, great-grandson of the richest human being in history and the son of a governor slash vice president. But that's the story of Michael Rockefeller. And before I go, I'll add one more story that is associated with the Rockefellers because... You know, as decent of a guy as Nelson Rockefeller seemed like he was, even though he did die fucking his mistress, and as decent of a person as um, Michael Rockefeller seemed, just really fucking naive, probably should have stayed his ass in New York, as, you know, as good as they seem, as it is the case with most insanely wealthy families, there's usually a little bit of fuckery going on. And that is just as uh, prevalent with the Rockefellers. And the, I mean, there's a lot of fucking examples of them just doing some real shady shit involving money, war, like getting really involved in war, um, you know, taking shit from people. uh, Like John D. Rockefeller definitely had a lot of people killed who were trying to, you know, do like labor strikes. there's some shady shit that happened with the Rockefellers. One of them that I think is the most fucking nuts is that the Rockefellers owned this organization called the Rockefeller Institute, which is like did mostly like hospital work, medical research, stuff like that. Um, One of the things that the Rockefeller Institute did (laughs) is that they helped sponsor Joseph Mangala that Nazi angel of death helped sponsor Joseph Mengele's experiments during the Holocaust. That's not good. <laughs> I mean, you know, good luck, you know, justifying that. Um, so that's, that's one of the things they did is that they were basically sending money to Joseph Mengele, the angel of death in basically trade with them getting his research findings. Which really, the motherfucker didn't find anything. There are people who, I would argue, maybe a little too nice on the Nazis <laughs> who think that Joseph Mengele, well, you know, like actually a lot of things that we know about medicine happened because of those experiments. No, it isn't. We really didn't learn shit from Joseph Mengele. We learned that People tend to die whenever they have their, you know, stomach cut out. <laughs> we learned that adult Siamese twins, when they get cut in half, usually don't survive. <laughs> that's that's about all we learned. We also learned that if you inject dye into a person's eyes, they don't permanently change color. They tend to just become blind. So, yeah, I mean... uh. Yeah, he didn't really discover shit. But the Rockefellers, you know, and the researchers at the Rockefeller Institute thought that, hey, this motherfucker's probably going to learn some shit and keep it secret under Nazi Germany. We would sure like to get our hands on this research. Let's, you know, send him money to help fund his research. He sends us the results. So that's not good. They were also heavily into eugenics. Um... One of the people who was like also heavily into eugenics kind of in the early stages of the Rockefeller Institute and didn't necessarily work with the Rockefeller Institute, you know, but was kind of supportive of their eugenics, um, like their, you know, supportive eugenics was Helen Keller, <laughs> which is wild for a deaf, blind and dumb person. Basically, Tommy, um... For that person to be a, in favor of eugenics, which, in case you don't know, is the idea of basically not allowing certain people to breed because they are undesirable. Usually it was people who had, like, you know, a mental disability or, you know, something like that. But yeah, so the Rockefeller Institute, highly in favor of eugenics. They also, I believe this was like, Maybe in the 30s or 40s, um, they were doing basically research on the flu, on influenza, and wanted to kind of test what basically we're testing like flu vaccines, like early flu vaccines, and wanted to test the results, see what would happen if somebody had the flu and took these different vaccines, whether they worked, blah, blah, blah. Well, what they did was they just lined people up at this institute, mostly vagrants, people with disabilities, stuff like that, and said they were giving them a different immunization. And instead were taking a hard, hard, strong dose of the flu and just shooting it into their nose, giving them the flu, monitoring them for a while. Quite a few of them died. But the ones who didn't, they would then give them the flu uh, vaccine. And then there was, like, other options, other things where they would, like, you know, administer the flu vaccine, then administer the flu. They are basically just testing the flu, testing vaccines. Um, I mean, it was super dangerous to do that back then. To, like, just inject people with the flu, which I know now, you know, flu isn't anything crazy. But, like, back then wasn't great. (laughs) I mean, medicine was not where it is now. The flu could pretty well fuck you up. Uh, One of the people who we now know was heavily involved in these trials was a man named Jonas Salk. Jonas Salk is considered, you know, one of the greatest people in medical history. He invented the polio vaccine, didn't patent it. So that it could be super affordable, super ch- uh, cheap, and he wouldn't make a dime off of it. So with that story, people think, you know, with the polio vaccine, oh, this guy is this, you know, fucking amazing human being. And, you know, in many ways probably was. But he also injected a lot of fucking people who didn't know what was going on, injected them with the flu. A lot of them ended up dying. So, you know, tit for tit. Uh, This was all covered up until like a long time later. Uh, The Rockefellers, obviously having the amount of money they have, were able to keep this all under wraps. I mean, it was all kept under wraps for a while. And, you know, now I don't even think the Rockefeller Institute really does shit. Um, But yeah, I mean, and you could find a million other stories of them doing some pretty shady shit. Even though Nelson Rockefeller seemed like a pretty good dude, Michael seemed like a pretty good dude. Um, and John and the Rock and John D. Rockefeller, a hundred percent changed the world. You know, they still they fucked some people up. <laughs> so those are going to be the that's going to be the wrap up of today's episode. Uh, be sure to check out the Instagram, uh, my Instagram. It's at the Cody Tucker. Check out the um, clips that I'll post. Um, yeah follow me on tiktok i now have a tiktok so my privacy is completely gone uh i hope you fuckers enjoy that but (laughs) that being said that'll do it for this one goodbye